Hello, this is Sarah Ferruya from Sarah Ferruya Coaching and welcome to season six, episode one of the Legends podcast and our theme this season is Game Changers. And do I have some incredible game changers for you today. It's our second couple on the podcast, Henry Seals and Sasha Lee Seals, who are terrific game changers in their communities in Japan. Henry, through his work in local government as a naturalized citizen of Japan, which is unique in itself. And Sasha, through her work in making cakes for people and just how much you become part of people's lives through that. And also her work with the Legacy Foundation, which serves the aspirations of African-Americans and people of African descent in Japan, creating opportunities that benefit all and that is crucially the part that that really makes these guys game changers is that they are part of their communities they are embedded in japan and they are creating opportunities that benefit all at the beginning of each episode i ask each person how or who they define as game changers and this got really powerful heartfelt and emotional as sasha and henry honored their game changers Enjoy the episode. Hello, 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 and welcome everybody to this, the Legends podcast. It is season six, and this is all about game changers. And for our opening session, I can't believe I'm so lucky to have together two of Tokyo's and Japan's biggest game changers. We have Sasha Lee Seals and Henry Seals. Welcome. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having us. Yeah, really <laughs> oh, it's such a treat. Such a treat. So I believe there are many ways to lead a life and everybody has stories. And boy, do we have some super stories for you today. So I'm going to open with the opening question, which is um, either to Sasha or Henry first. Tell us a story about game changer or game changing or a game changer that you know. What does that mean to you? It's gonna sound, it is really cliche, but I have to say my mom. Oh, and I know like, it's like, well, I really know, but there's a reason for this. Yeah. So I'm, I'm Jamaican. We're born, my mom was born in the deep countryside of Manchester and she was raised with my great grandmother. As a child, my great grandmother couldn't write, read her name. If it is in front of her, she couldn't read her name but she would ask her kids to read the Bible, right? So she forced all of her children and my mom happened to be there and she had to learn how to read and write because her mom was an ex-slave. So for her, she knew education was very important for her to, you know, to get out of the situation she was. Mm -hmm. So she forced education onto my mom, like you must study. But my mom wasn't able to go to high school, right? Even then. So she moved and went in my great, my, my grand, my grand uncles at the time took care of the kids, but she always like, I want to go back to school. She started as a pre-trained teacher for preschool and she got paid peanuts <laughs> as um, normally happens in education. But what happened was she knew she wanted to go to college. She knew she wanted to be a trained teacher, but she didn't go to high school. So she couldn't matriculate into college, right? So every year she tried, she failed. Every year she saved all her money to do like um, adult lessons. 
but the gap was huge because she didn't have high school education. And for, wow, 14, 15 years, she kept trying and she kept trying, failing. Everybody's like, stop wasting your money in these lessons. But instead, she she just knew that that was her path. And she got into college. When she got into college, I had just gotten into university. And I'm like, mom, okay, you go do the, you've been struggling for 14 years. You go do the school thing. I'll just work on TV. She's like, no, nah, you're going to college. We're going to work it out, right? There is no salary coming in. My mom is a single mom, right? <laughs> there, is, yeah. there, is, there is no finances coming in. And she's like, we'll work it out. You're going to college. And through who she was, my church gave money so I could go to university without student loans. So for me, it might seem very cliche, like, oh, my mom's my greatest this. But for me, that changed because... What she broke was a generational curse of not having education. What she broke was irrespective of the, the gaps that you might have, it is possible to overcome it and do it in a way that because of who she is, a group of people not only believe, believed in her, but supported me. So for me, that's a game changer because not only did she do that, she left the country, she went to London, she refuses to tell me how many people she's paid for school fees and university tuition fees for while she was in London working. So for me, I will, I have that like right in my home. She lives with us here in Chiba. So I, yeah, I'm spoiled. I literally have someone who exemplifies hard work, hard work and, and making a change. Yeah. That's incredible. What an amazing <laughs> story. She broke the generational curse and she left the country and now she's living in Chiba with you. And now I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I do know that. But I had, again, I hadn't made that connection. <laughs> what, how incredible. What do you think it was? What's that spirit? What's that thing inside a person that makes them go, I'm going to do this? Do you know? With my mom, my mom, if you look in the, in the dictionary for the word Christian, yeah, my mom. Okay. Do you know, like, there are people who say, like, I am who I am this or I pretend to be this. Yeah. My mom is the quintessential sacrifice because she has strong belief in Christianity. And it's been confirmed every single time. And she's mommy's always giving. Yeah. She's mommy to like everyone. Yeah. Well, the thing about mom is funny. I, I see her in uh, our youngest child. We always say that so Hannah's very structured and organized, right? Yeah. And I think mom, you know, her faith pretty creates this structure in the world, and that's what just 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 she what she's committed to. Like she's committed to like in the house, you know, that things have to be a certain way, or she's she's just what is it? Uh, organized, particular. What is it? Yeah. You know. <laughs> and I think when you combine that with her faith. Right. It creates this determination, right? And fortunately, as, as Sasha says, it, it's tinged with kindness, right? She's not saying you must do this because this is the right way and you're going to burn or something. It's like, look, this is this is going to help. And she just does it and it works. It works. I don't know how to explain Yeah, it just works. It works. <laughs> it just works. I mean, we have a hundred stories of things mom has done in the house and it just it just works. So, you know, it, it, it's, that, it's that commitment. And I think that's... um. I think key for anyone being successful, whatever it happens to be, is that commitment. Mm, uh, and the, the empathy. And the, the ability to get people to, 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 to really feel 
you and feel like, you know, they, um, they can benefit from you. So you're, yeah, you're, yeah. Sasha's mom is, we call her mom. Uh, I call her mom. Everybody calls her mom. Everyone calls her mom. <laughs> she's, she's, she was a teacher here and she's literally mothered so many people so many people and grandmother their grandmother kids. their kids makes me jealous gone to to watch their kids their moms are calling my mom thanking her for standing in the gap because they can't come to japan during and my COVID. mom goes and especially in covid friends who've given birth during this time yeah babysit their children cook food if someone's sick yeah I'm like, is that for real? It is. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. So we so. use example in our house every day. It helps. It's yeah, really a it does. Yeah. Love that. So structure plus faith. Oh, yeah. Kindness and empathy creates this determination and commitment to people. people respond to, yeah. So she's just got this, this way of putting that out into the world and, and helping other people as well. Yeah. But not just helping, but actually really practically pushing them on with their game-changing lives as well. Amazing. What's her name, by the way? Helena James. Helena James. Yes. Oh, well, well, we'll dedicate this episode to her if that's fine oh, with you. Oh, that's... definitely. Thank you. You're so welcome. She sounds amazing. Are you both taking that one then? Oh, Henry, do you have another one? This is yeah, so good. I'm like, different. already I'm full of new ideas. <laughs> I know this isn't video, but, you know, especially in Japan, people see Sasha and I. And they think, oh, well, two black people living together, that seems normal. But um, we couldn't be more different. You know, our cultures are different. Jamaica and, of course, you know, south, southern United States. So the game change is a little different. And I think it reflects the culture. So growing up in West Virginia, you know, West Virginia is a, is a southern state, not really historically, but regionally. And uh, one of the game changing stories, and we can get into it later, why it was a game changer, was I was in high school and I was feeling... I don't know how high school kids get feeling lost, right? Like there's there's more to not only the world, but more to me, more to what I'm thinking. There's more potential in me that I can that I can't seem to get out. And I was de- a little depressed. And there was a teacher, a uh, white guy, white man, who uh, I thought was a really intelligent teacher. He seemed interesting. Let me put it that way. He just seemed intelligent. He seemed like just a kind person. And I thought to myself, but he's a white dude and he probably has nothing in common with me. And he's from like Virginia, the capital of the Confederacy. He's probably not going to care about what this black kid in class thinks. But I said, you know, I'm going to try. I'm going to go into his classroom after school and see if he's there and just just say, look, and I transferred to this school recently and I was um, transferred from West Virginia to Virginia. And I just felt lost. I felt like I didn't get it, have anything in common with any of the children, any of the kids, you know, just different backgrounds. States are very different. So in the classroom, I'm sitting there depressed. I'm like, if he doesn't come, I just, I just felt like my, my life would end because there's no one to talk to. So he walked in and it changed my life. He walked in. He said, he said Henry, what's what's going on? And I told him just in teenage words, I was lost, confused. And he took me under my, his wing. He became like my, I called him dad, became my godfather. I mean, I have a father and I love my dad. My dad's great, but he became like a, a surrogate dad for me. Um, He's the one who would take me to visit colleges. You know, my first trip to visit Harvard was because of him. I knew his family. I mean, he just treated me like a son. And it taught me, right, that, you know, I had this opportunity through him to engage people I never would have met, who never would have met me. Mm. You know, I was able to reach their lives and touch them. Vice versa, I was able to learn a lot because I trusted this white fella, Mm. you know, and um, it, it changed me in the sense that, 
it, it it's one of the many things, this is hindsight, of course, speaking, but it's one of the many experiences where I realized that race doesn't really matter. It's context and, 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 and experiences, like you're asking about stories. Mm. And I learned at that moment, the more I can be involved in other people's stories, the more impact I can have. It's not about being famous. It's not about being even important. It's right. If I can get involved in people's stories and make them feel right, my value to their stories, I can do a lot of good. And that really sort of defines who I am as a person. If you see anything I've done, it's based on that principle. Looking back, I said that was the moment where I said to myself, you know, this is this is how I want to live my life. I want to take risks, meet people, um, share myself with them, open myself up to who they happen to be and see what happens. And it's been, it's been mostly good, some bad, but mostly good. Best session. Oh, talk to me. <laughs> That was nice <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. Amazing. Um, I love that. It's really, really interesting here in both two other podcasts that I did, one with um, Marcellus Neely and one with Lisa Lowitz, who is the yoga lady from Sun and Moon Yoga. Both of them talked about how these guides showed up in their lives. Yeah. And Marcellus and I went on to have a kind of background conversation about guides as well and how they sometimes we don't recognize it. So it's like, you know, you said it's only in hindsight, I look back and see how all this fits together. And this is what I love about these conversations. It's like, who are my guides and how are they showing up? It's like, why these two, why are they? Like already I'm like, ooh. <laughs> it's, it's it's so, so interesting to, to hear about this and to be really mindful of how we are guides to other people as well, I think. And, and obviously your mum does that very, uh, deliberately I think uh, you say use words structuredly and and so do you guys but it's just I love that I, I've got one person who kind of changed who did that for me as well like oh the first person who ever treated me like an adult when I was a teenager it felt right. very yeah. very like empowering it was very interesting for me and it felt made me feel very full and useful and yeah. and with so much potential so I love that as well. Um, again, do you have a name for this gentleman? Oh, yeah, Cliff. He's he's passed away, unfortunately, yeah. out of uh, lung cancer about seven, eight years ago. Uh -huh. Cliff Hardison. Cliff Hardison. And we dedicate this episode to him, too. All right. Posthumously. Yeah. That's great. Thank you. You're so welcome. These people are still with us, you know? Oh, they are. They are. Yeah. And you've so kindly brought them to life today. Thank you. Your, it's your job to make us cry. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Are you trying to like we can we can it. edit it out or no? It's not. It's just to I I don't I don't know what to say. <laughs> it's it's okay. I need a good it's cry every now and then. Oh. <laughs> okay. okay, it's, it's I can I've got room for all of it. I have space yeah. for all of it. This morning, just this morning, I was um, I run a grief circle with Gretchen Miura, who you may also know, who lives on a temple up in Akita. And this is not unfamiliar to me that they 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 arrive, <laughs> the ancestors arrive, and with that comes uh, some kind of emotion. Oh yeah, or what we call emotion or some kind of movement of spirit. Actually, you've been helping one of my friends go through the grief of loss, losing her brother, and yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I will not say anything, but yeah. what a beautiful Thank woman, you. and um, I hope she's okay. I hope she's okay. We it's love her. <laughs> well, we, we've just invited her into our into our conversation. So I'm just going to make a note, actually, for Gretchen and I to just check in with her. 
Yeah, please. Check in with name redacted. Yes. <laughs> okay, thank you. So I think now people need to know a little bit more about you. So I'm going to start with Sasha. So Sasha Lee Seals is the owner of Yum Cupcakery for the last 10 years. Um, she is the director of programming for the Legacy Foundation, which you can tell us more about later. And recently they put on the first, I believe the first ever Juneteenth Ball at the Tokyo American Club, which is, I've got goosebumps all over my body, which is major on, major on so many levels that I will allow you to, like, <laughs> I, I don't know how to describe it, but it just, for me, that was like, wow, attack this. and um she's also got a background in marketing and fashion event planning business plan writing recruiting and uh, she has many 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 specialties she's pretty flipping amazing the legacy foundation itself is one of the reasons i went to a an event that you you put on which was all about writing with Baye mcneil who's also been on the podcast and diana diana yes and who's also a friend of mine so I really enjoyed that. And I just thought, what a terrific, game-changing organization here in Japan, just beyond. So um, bravo, Sasha Seals. You can tell us more about yourself later. And then Henry, Henry <laughs> Seals is the CHRO of Zycle. He has a background in many, many different things. So it has been in Philip Morris. I used to do a bit of work with them as well. Very creative place has been in uh, one of the biggest banks in the world for many, many years as well. But the thing that really interests me about uh, Henry is that he is a naturalised Japanese citizen, which means he holds a Japanese passport, which he's very open about, so that's no uh, no biggie. And he, this is so interesting to me. It's a real game-changing thing as well, so I don't even have the words for it yet. I can't wait to hear all about it. Is He's the first foreign-born human rights commissioner for his city, which is, is it Nagarayama yes. in Chiba? And this is huge. And I mean, it's just, it just becoming a naturalized citizen is one thing in itself. And you could tell us all about that later. But the reason you took that, I believe one of the reasons you took that is so that you could become more involved in politics. And this kind of, I can see a golden thread running now back to Cliff and how you were saying like that, that helped you not, um, care too much about race so that you could actually step into your role in politics without feeling too much of what one might call imposter syndrome I don't know that's my own uh, but just for listeners that's my own interpretation of this and you guys can tell me where I'm wrong so I mean this is huge 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 I'm keeping the I'm keeping these um, introductions a bit short because usually I take up lots of time with this uh, but I'd actually want to hear from you more. <laughs> so let's get into it. So could you, we've already touched a little bit on your backgrounds and your um, upbringing and so on. And But I'd love to know like where you come from and what, what, what brought you to where you are now. So um, as I said before, I'm Jamaican. And I think that defines me, other than being a mom and a wife, being Jamaican <laughs> defines who I am. So it's like, you know, you talk about the, the bakery, the foundation, the all of that. For me, being a wife and a mom has been such an important part of my experience that those defined me more than the external, what people say to me. 
because for some time that the external accolades of people was so important to me and it caused me a lot of angst and um it was necessary so for me being Jamaican and being um a wife and mom define the the way in which I move in this world so where are you from in Jamaica? Yes, I'm from St. Mary. <laughs> I'm from the countryside. <laughs> and as I said, um, my mom was a teacher. And so it meant that when, I don't know if anybody else grew up in the countryside, your parents are not your parents. Your parents are the community's parents. And because my mom was a teacher and she had summers off, people would just send their kids into my yard in the summertime and just go to work. My mom didn't have a lot, but you know, water and stuff outside. So everyone was welcome at my home. I think one of the things that is really interesting, we had um, um, a massive storm when I was nine years old and it's called the Hurricane Gilbert. Like every Jamaican talks about Hurricane Gilbert. It was one of, it really caused massive damage. One of our neighbors were not the nicest people (laughs) (laughs) and they were messy and loud and, you know, garbage in the front yard. But after the earthquake, the, the, sorry, the hurricane, they lost their home. And without even thinking, my mom was like, well, you have to come stay with us until you're sorted out, right? That's how I was raised. I was raised in a community. I was raised with expectation. I was raised where if I was being rude, there were no cell phones at this time. My mom would know before I got home, right? Because I was raised in the countryside in Jamaica. From there, um, I studied my entire um, education is in Jamaica. I went to the University of Technology, Jamaica, and I studied business and education. And it's like in Jamaica, study education or nursing, you always have a job. And both my parents were in education. So I did education, but I always wanted. So even as in a university student, I started my own marketing company because I, I like the concept of like, you like this, don't you? You really want this, right? <laughs> my marketing courses taught me just the beauty of like branding and, and connecting people to ideals or things, right? What, good or bad. I'm not saying which is good or bad, but that's where I went to high school. Um, I'm sorry, university. I left university. I was teaching at Calabar High School. That's where I met my ex who was here on the JET program. I'm like, why don't you come to Japan? And I was working in fashion. I'm like, hmm, fashion capital. Let's go to Tokyo. I'm just going to work in fashion and I'll be fabulous. I'll start my own company. No, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Japan has a way of being like, uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> right? Yeah. Japan is like, uh-uh, sit all the way down. No, you don't. <laughs> yeah. really humbling and I was living in Okayama in a place called Bichu Takahashi there is I'm telling you there's a reason the name there is one train every hour the the stoplights start blinking around 6 or 7 p.m because there's like no traffic on the road I mean, I'm like, we had a satire, yay. Um, but there was like, no, there was no Facebook. There was no, it's, there was nothing, right? Uh-huh. This is 17 years ago. We still had a flip phone where there was a dial-up, right? Yep. So, <laughs> so 
So I I <laughs> I ended up in Okayama, stayed there for a month. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to work in fashion, you know, because <laughs> I had my own marketing company in Jamaica and I worked in fashion. I understand. Listen, 20 year old hubris is beautiful. I love it. <laughs> I miss it so much. <laughs> All right. Because oh. yeah, you come here like, yeah, yeah, I can do this. Yeah, I'm world. I'm, I'm, <laughs> so the time, I'm, time I'm 25 right yes. I, I had it all <laughs> I had it all planned out because when I was in university the girls from Harajuku they love dance hall and reggae yes so I would be like these girls dress weird like <laughs> those clothes don't go together but they were so happy and I'm like when I came to Japan I was like I know about this Harajuku fashion this is what Japan is oh my lord <laughs> but I was living in um, Tochigi. So my yes. hometown is Tochigi. That's where yeah. my original That's Japanese. Just north, just north of, of Tokyo, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's where my original Japanese mom and dad live. That's where I learned to play taiko. That's where I started playing shakuhachi. Like, that's where that's my that's my Japanese furusato. That's really my my hometown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're teaching English. And uh, you lasted longer than I did. I did it for a year and I'm like, no, I can't. I, I, I just, I just, I couldn't, I think I, I love creativity yeah. and in an environment where it, there's no breath for creativity. It bothered me a lot. Um, so I came into Tokyo. I was an executive recruiter where I finally worked in fashion. So I'm like, ah. I'm like, yes, I'm in the fashion game now. <laughs> so um, I worked in, in fashion and I got to meet like, you know, um, all the things that I thought I wanted to do in Japan. That was like year three. I was working in fashion. And then I realized you don't want to work in fashion. <laughs> it is a very it's a very different thing from the creative, just fun marketing aspects. These are really large corporations. It's, it's a business. It's not yeah. it's not yeah. fashion. Yeah. You know. And then I met my husband, Lehman Crash was right around um, that time and, and nobody was hiring. So then I had to pivot again. I went into the classroom shortly, but I just, I can't. It's just not who I am. We started our, our family with our oldest daughter and I wanted her birthday cake. And that's how Yum Cupcake restarted. There was no cakes. I'm just like, no, this is whipped cream. And where's the vanilla? Where's the, 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 I don't know. Like I was looking for, for something and I'm just like, I'll do it myself. So at my daughter's first birthday, I, in my, you know, the little dainty dainty. Yeah. I made my daughter's first birthday cake and like, oh, like, where did you get the, this cake done? So this is 12. Yeah, 11 years ago. Uh-huh. And people like, oh, can you make my cake? And I'm like, okay. So I made cake and then people start ordering. And I'm like, this is not okay. I need to get legal because I'm not going into jail for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> so I stole my husband's man cave downstairs. <laughs> and uh, we turned it into a legal bakery. We created the bakery, um, created a space for me to work, um, got certified. And that's how I ended up in the, the food industry from just baking one birthday cake. And I think the reason I bake 
is like Henry, I like being a part of someone's story. Ooh. I like being like create, like I can make this cake. Like I will obsess about things because at the end I'm just like, Oh yeah, really pretty. And then when a parent sends a picture with the kid and the kid is all happy because that's what they wanted. It gives me like, Oh, like, <laughs> and our CEO's wife had ordered cakes from us in the past. It's coincidentally, we're yeah. like, <laughs> part of their story. Yeah. yeah. So it's like all these threads. I'm like, oh, yeah, I had your cake. Oh, okay. Thank you. Was it good? That's like, did, did we have a good experience? Yeah, 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 you helped me. So that's the the beauty of stepping into so many people's homes. Yeah. Providing that little bit of sugar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, to, to change. And I think, as I said, my mom is, you know, awesome. But in Tokyo, so many people stood in the gap for me and brought me into spaces that I'm like, how do I get here? <laughs> like, like, how? And I remember like when I first started recruiting, I actually lost the job after 30 days because the person I was dating was a recruiter and it was this whole thing. My boss at that time found me my next job which was a competing company. He hadn't, I'd known this man for 30 days. There was no reason for him to like, Hey, you little Brown girl from Jamaica. First 30 days of recruiting found me my second job that paid me more mm -hmm. after 30 days. And after Lehman shock, even though my company was shutting down, shout out to Tony and um, Lord, Lord and more Tony and Lord. Why can't I remember? And John, John and Tony, uh -huh. Boyd and more. Yeah. For, even though they had to shut down that aspect of business, they didn't treat me bad. And they actually, when I was talking about the companies I was going to work for, warned me about certain practices in the business. They didn't have to do that either. Yeah. Right. So forever in my heart, I'm just like, those people took, you know, took care of me. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and then when I started baking, a friend of mine um, was like, oh, yeah, just, yeah, let's bake cakes for my my company's, you know, because I'm legal, right? Bake for the their office. So I'm like, oh, yay. When I went to this meeting, I wasn't baking for the office. They have coffee shops all over Japan. And I was able to sell cupcakes in Shibuya, Hiro, Shinjuku, Roppongi Hills. Like, I'm like, why you took this risk? And just like that, I was able to sell cupcakes in these areas that I shouldn't be in the space. <laughs> just, just that's what it was. Right. And then going further along that I had customers. And when, when Ralph Lauren was coming to Japan, um, Ralph Lauren today is like, Hey, Ralph Lauren is coming. They're opening a coffee shop. Um, can you come in and, you know, talk to them about like having a business because Big businesses have come in Japan and they've all left me and I'm still here and I still have customers, but uh, millions of dollars behind their marketing, they still can't, you know, function in Japan. Mm. So I went to this meeting, they gave me their recipes. I'm like, this is not going to work for Japan. It's too sweet. It's too, it's not neat. It's not this, it's not that. So I'm like, okay, I'm a, I'm a solar entrepreneur. Like just, it's just me. And here I am in this meeting and I'm like, okay. And I'm like, okay, so who am I in competition with for this contract? They're like, no, no, it's your job. I'm like, excuse me? Wait, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I'm just like, 
hold up, what? You realize, did you see my face? <laughs> and um, they're like, yeah, yeah, no problem. And that was a customer that was a consultant and I was able to work 16 hour days. But in the food industry, I was creating this mm. food for this company. Oh, it's Ralph Lauren. Like, I'm a little, you know, country girl from Jamaica. Like, how did I wait? What? How did I end up here? Oh, I see how you ended up here. The story now. I think that is why I yeah. work so hard for Legacy Foundation. Mm-hmm. Because in my 17 years in Japan, I've always had people stand in the gap and create spaces for me where it's not necessary. They, they didn't have to, not at all. There was no reason for them to create these spaces. And that's why I can't just be about myself. I can't just sit in my corner and appreciate all the things I have. It's, it's not right because those people didn't have to, but it, put me in a place where I can. And if you can, you must. Oh, I love that. You, you can. And if you can, you must. And again, I'm seeing this golden thread run through here where this magic that your family and your your lineage has, this magic taking care of the community is now coming back to you. And yeah, it's just pretty amazing. Um, this, standing in the gap for people, the power of community, the power of generosity, the, the power of getting legal. So there's lots of stuff. There's the magic here, but there's also that structured side as well, that kind of consensus reality, what I call the science in the business, where you, it's good for you to get yourself into a place where you are legal, where, you, where you're taking care of business and so on. But there's also this magic that happens where the gap, there's, there's the gap, and then somebody fills it for you. And that's part of what the Legacy Foundation is about. And we'll come back to that later people created spaces for you. Oh, it's just, it's so beautiful. It's such a satisfying thing. And I think it happens a lot in these kinds of communities that we 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 live in, where people are always kind of pulling you up or noticing where you could be or whatever. And I think I know where I'm going to get my cake for my 10 year anniversary from. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, it won't be a, a massive contract, but. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Um celebrating and and being able to to create that joy just even for a moment it's oh, yeah it's a pleasure like you know people I don't understand people walk through life and just think things happen just because yeah like, there is no gratitude practice mm. you know and, and and I think that's why a lot of people are not happy with where they are in life or what they're doing because they can't see they can't be grateful for things that you just take for granted. The fact that we're in Japan, not in a war zone, woke up, all of our body parts function. We can actually go and get clean water. We can go and take the train. You're better than just being in the space, better than billions of people on the planet. And you can't, Maybe because I came from a third world country, maybe because I, I've seen what poverty is and I've seen generational poverty. I've seen that kind of stuff. I just cannot take things for granted and I can't take people for granted. So I get hurt when I get hurt by people because I'm like, oh. 
<laughs> yeah, but yeah. Love that, love that. It reminds me of one of Henry's videos, actually, that I was uh, furiously watching recently. And um, that was nice, like, yeah. So speaking of Henry, over to Henry. <laughs> yeah, you know, Sasha's, Sasha's story, actually, we usually have these long car rides. We drive, we love to drive in the car together. We'll have these conversations kind of like this. And I always learn something new. And when Sasha was talking about, you know, giving, it just, it just reminded me of some of the conversation we've had. I'll come back to it. I don't want to take up too much time. Please. But um, me, okay, I'm from West Virginia. I'm from the country as well. And when I was growing up, I'm I'm the second of three boys. So my mother had three sons, my father had three sons. And growing up, I was me. I You just imagine me as, as a baby, it's same. <laughs> So I was doing everything my parents said, don't do. I was doing it. I was doing the different thing. I wanted to do new things. So it's part of my character to be curious and just sort of slightly risk-taking in the sense that I want to see what's out there. So very curious. So always getting in trouble to that regard. But how it sort of manifests itself is sort of like, you want to talk about game changers, I guess, is, you know, living in West Virginia is strange in the sense that it's an interesting state because it is Southern, but it didn't have slaves, right? So what it means is it, it, it broke from Virginia over that issue. So it was once part of Virginia. So the Civil War, it sort of broke off. And you'll see that manifest itself in strange ways. So, for instance, you have segregation. You have people, you know, not liking each other due to race. But at the same time, you see a lot of mixed marriages. In other words, you didn't have like things like the Ku Klux Klan terrorizing people. Okay. Where people, poor blacks and whites, didn't mix with each other. So it was strange in the sense that my parents... When they, this, I remember when they divorced, my father was living in a, in a sort of a black part of town, actually a black town called Dunbar Institute, primarily black. And my mother moved to sort of a white neighborhood, basically a very white neighborhood. And so I saw both like on a almost daily basis going back and forth, like I'd leave school, go to my dad's house. My mother would pick me up when she got off of work and she was going to college as well. And she'd come pick us up. So what I was seeing growing up was the similarities of people. Right. Mm-hmm. I can see the same ignorances in people, even though America tells you the race divide. I was seeing all these different these similarities in people, the same ignorances, the same evil, the same kindness, you know, plus and minus. And I was seeing it constantly. I'm a very say observant person because mm-hmm. I think I was always interested in learning things. So I thought learning things would make my life better, learning new information. So I was that kid. I was always in the trivia. I was reading almanacs. I thought information was key. And so growing up, I said, you know what? I want to. As a child, I remember eight years old, I told my father I wanted to go to Harvard because I'd read in a book. It was, quote unquote, the best school, which it's it's not. It's great. I like yeah. it. But it's not necessarily the best. But I said, I want to go there. That's where you go when you're smart and information. And I thought I could take that information and you know, help people because I could see that on both sides or every side that people are the same. They have the same needs. And it was wired in me because that's what I saw. So when people say, you know, why do you think that way? Or even in myself, sometimes I have a racist thought or I have a sexist thought. I've been trained by what I've seen. And so I was indoctrinated to sort of say that sometimes, you know, as we focus on our own lives, we think about ourselves and me, 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 and we're not going to be successful with just me. You want to be successful with the support and collaboration of others. Sometimes getting the collaboration of others is hard, just like anything, going on a diet, uh, living a good life working hard every day. These things aren't easy. So my quote unquote, I guess, talent was being able to see the differences in people. And through osmosis, I, I learned how to communicate with different people. And it's more than just code switching. It's more like, okay, 
this person says this, they act this way. I see what they have in common. And so I used to work also in a comic book shop as a young kid. And all these people who look completely different from each other had comics in common or a TV show or Star Trek. And I was like, what? we're all so similar. And so it's just driven into me. So when I come to Japan, even though I'd meet people who were like, oh, you're foreign or you're black or I don't like you or whatever, it's like, I felt I'm angry. And, you know, sometimes that can be a blocker to what I want to do, but I feel sorry for it. You know, there's so much potential when you can, when two people can come to some sort of understanding and they can build more than they could alone, regardless mm -hmm. of it. So for instance, my godfather, Cliff, right? Cliff, he would have these long conversations with me trying to get me to think critically. And he had a different opinion on, for instance, rioting and, 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 and affirmative action and these things. But I knew he loved me, mm. right? He loved me. And I was his son. He never had children. So I was like his son. And so I knew we could have differences of opinion, but still care about each other, still work to support each other. And then I'm, I'm an exchange student in Japan, and I'm living with this Japanese family. And I'm very much aware, I've become very aware that the father, he later told me he didn't want me in the house because he had heard about Black people and they was bad or something, right? And my host mother and my, my host sister and host brother convinced him, you know, saying that's kind of stupid. Let him be in the house. And after meeting him about, you know, there in the house one night, he sits me down and tells me, I already sort of knew, but my mother sort of hinted about it, my host mother. And he told me and he apologized. And of course, I could think to myself, you know, racist people are bad. They can do things. Obviously, racist people can hurt people, I guess, but they can also grow and learn. Mm. If they're fortunate enough to take a risk and you're fortunate enough to give them consideration. And I know that sounds weird coming from me, but I've learned it. It's true. And so when I come to Japan and the Japanese, like becoming a human rights commissioner, my biggest pride is I'm helping Japanese understand their rights and defend their rights. And it's not sort of thing like I want to, you know, them to like black people, but it the optics can't be ignored. Mm -hmm. You have this person who doesn't come from your culture, doesn't come have the same background that you do, who spends his days and nights thinking about how to make your life better. Now, I don't do it because I want them to like me. I just know that it makes the world a better place. And I'll feel better when my time is done with this planet. And I did that. You know, other kids will look at people who look like me or don't look like me or look different, right? In the future, there'll be different issues. Right now, it's maybe it's transgender issues. But in the future, there'll be something else. Alien issues? I don't know. You know, I don't know. <laughs> they can learn from that. They know. They know yeah. <laughs> but they can extrapolate that experience now and use it for the future it's like learning about math so you can do harder math in the future mm. that drives me thrills me to no end to be able to be doing that so i think the way it changes the game is there's moments where like one thing that changed my life almost fundamentally and the reason i am a human rights commissioner is i was at a festival in our city uh, like the first year i was there and uh, you know the obonodori and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm realizing these, these neighbor people know each other. I'm this foreign guy. I feel kind of left out. And I, I, I'm expecting at some point for someone to speak to me and practice their English or do something, you know, behaving badly, you know, getting drunk, touching my butt, whatever. <laughs> I'm expecting this to happen. And an older Japanese gentleman in a yukata starts talking to me in English, asking who I am. And there's a part of me that's thinking, oh, God, here goes the crazy. Said, you know, look, come on. It's all about me. This person, you don't know who this person is. And secondly, other people could be watching. Just come on, Henry. Just just let it be. It's not the end of the world if someone acts weird. Come on, right? So anyway, I, I, I talked to him. I asked him, why do you know English? And he's like, you know, I lived in the United States. 
And we just have a simple conversation. We talk for about 15 minutes. And then someone walks over to him and says, excuse me, sir, we have to leave. I went, who, who was that? And he goes off and the, everyone around suddenly comes, you know, who knows me in the neighborhood says, do you know that was the mayor of our city? And I'm like, who? <laughs> and he eventually came to, he found me out again. He found me and we became friends, really good friends. And because he had lived in the States, he had, you know, went to a black church and he, 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 he was into this issue of diversity because he had been in Japan, in the United States during the Japan bashing. And he had seen, you know, he had seen, you know, people being killed because of, you know, being Asian or he had seen, you know, Ku Klux Klan posters and things. And he lived in Houston. He had seen a lot, experienced a lot and it affected him. And so when he saw me, can you imagine if I had been less than friendly, you know, I would have missed out on a, on a friendship that has really benefited, I think, family, my city and many things. And so, so when people tell me to be a little more cynical, and I am cynical, my wife knows. I mean, uh, yeah. I, I deal with the pain of life by joking, and then I let it go, and then I'm good, you know. But I'm very cynical sometimes. But three people ask me why I don't live off that cynicism is I've, I've seen life is better when you're not. And it, and you can't do it alone. And that's the thing, too, is I'm saying if someone is upset or bitter or upset, it's real. It's not something they can just simply let go of. No. And, and so we're all suffering or struggling with things. And it's about who you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. and trying to help with those people and then there's the part where you have to be the change and say if i need if i want my life better i have to be different and you have to be around people you trust and let those people take you like that guide let the guide take you and there are bad guides and there are good guides you just have to keep trying sometimes i think if something feels too natural too easy it usually is right <laughs> you're going to fit for no apparent reason whatsoever you're like wait a second but um, for the most part, you surround yourself with with good people. Those people are good influences. You change yourself a little bit, and I, I want to be well. I want to try to be that guy, but I'm also actually looking for guides as well. Always looking for people who can, who can teach me what I don't know yet. Well, well, you took me on quite the journey there, and I'm sure the listeners too. Um, I actually got quite emotional when you were talking about something there about. I, I can't even remember which bit it was because you've just taken me on such a journey. Right, so much. It's um, there's so much in here, and one of the reasons I, I, one of the things I love about asking people about their background and their upbringing is this: some of the stories are historical that comes through. So, like the, talking about Jamaica and the background of Jamaica, but I didn't know that there was a southern state that didn't have slaves. I didn't know that. Can you remind me of the state again? Okay, it's West Virginia. West so Virginia? There, are, there are several southern states that, hey, so when the Civil War happened, there were several southern states that decided, you know, that were pro-slavery that sort of decided to stay with the U.S. Okay. okay. Kentucky, I think was one of them. Um, it's kind of complicated, but when Virginia was deciding, okay, we're going to secede from the United States, if you look at the shape of West Virginia, it's a strange shape. It's a state yeah. with two panhandles, and it looks like a, someone holding their arm out like this or something. <laughs> And that's because the counties in the Western region are mountainous. They didn't have slaves. They're coal mining. You know, there's coal and natural resources, but no large plantations for slavery. They said, well, we're not going to, right? We're not going to secede from the United States. We'll stay part of the United States. Now, that doesn't mean everyone in West Virginia is great. No, 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 no. Historically, historically, you didn't have slaves. And it tells you that socialization is a big deal. If you didn't, you weren't raised day in, day out, seeing people treated like slaves and you're programmed to think you're better than them. If you're not 
programmed that way day in, day out, it affects you, then it affects your children and your grandchildren. So racism even is slightly different in West Virginia because of what people are socialized to see and grow. So you know that people are a product of their surroundings, their environment. So that whole thing I mentioned before, like for instance, having a difference on affirmative action, when you meet somebody and you engage them, the first thing they may say is, oh, well, you're different as a black, you're intelligent. Then they get to meet you and your surroundings. They realize, oh, there's no such thing as affirmative action. You, we're the same, right? It's, it's a non-issue. But the more we feel different from each other, the more these issues sort of matter. But when you start meeting people and you know them and you love them and you care about them, then all of a sudden the things you think are issues, like men and women, we're different. But when you have a daughter, now I felt this way before I had daughters, but if you have daughters, your opinion on women changes. Not because you become a better person, but your daughters challenge you to be a better person, right? Or, you know, you become a husband, you become different. You know, people who have children versus people who don't have children, it changes your mindset because it's a different experience. It's not greater or less than, but it's just different or mm -hmm. if you live in a different country. So being a part of someone's story can have a fundamental impact on where history goes. So the Legacy Foundation, for instance, by bringing the people together to produce something that represents, you know, the benefits of the struggles we have African-Americans have gone through, that it, it, it produced this beauty and this diversity, and it contributes to society. My ability to understand how people feel when they're triggered or upset, like when a Japanese mother or father calls me about an issue with their child, I understand what it feels like to be oppressed. I understand what it feels like to feel like you're powerless and alone. But I've overcome it because I've experienced it so much in my life. I can be a better advocate for their rights, right? Or helping to prepare for the future or deal with difference. I can, they think, okay, I'm black, therefore I'm diverse, but I'm a human too. There's things yeah. that I don't feel comfortable with. So I've become a better advocate for change because I can help them. Because I've taken, the, I'm a little farther ahead on the journey and I can help bring them. And while someone like myself is looking for someone a little farther on their journey, yeah. help me come along. And that's the hard part. Is when you're happy or you think you're successful, you're like, I'm good. Okay, I'll be fine. But, uh, you know, we're not. It's, the world's always changing. We need to prepare for that change. Thanks for giving some texture to that as well. And I just want to flag for people as well on the stories and background of certain places. Um, I think it was in season two or three, Lisa Chantel also told some really interesting stories about Jamaica. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really interesting ones and her family constellation as well. Um, but I also want to flag, especially for the listeners, that I think Henry was very generous there in taking us through the process of his mindfulness or his coaching mind in 10 seconds. So it's that sense that this gentleman was walking towards him in his yukata and he thought, here comes the crazy. No, Henry, don't do that. Just <laughs> wait some space for it. And like that whole process is what mindfulness actually is or mindful agency or mindful leadership where you think something, then you call yourself on it and then you create the conditions for the best possible outcome or the, the most peaceful outcome or whatever you want to call it. He actually took us through that. Maybe you didn't realize he did. I did not realize. <laughs> It's really good. I was like, this is coaching and actually some mess. You know, like this. So hopefully, you know, we can pick that out. And also, I mean, all of this is so interesting. So, you know, you talked about optics as well. And I was reminded of there's a TV show called We're Here, which is these drag queens who go around to all these like kind of remote parts of, of, of America and they're like, We're here. And that visibility and just and what you've just talked about there is that sense of like 
the context. So it's creating context for people to see other people as human. Love that. And then bringing it back to our J Japanese experience, you were talking, like you said, it's more than code switching. And I instantly wrote down the word tatemai. And yeah. tatemai is not something that I'm against. I'm, to be fair, I'm not very good at it because I have a little bit of neurodiversity. But um, so that's why I have my own business. I'm in a company all day. It's not good for anybody <laughs> in, the, in the surroundings. <laughs> um, I've come to realize 10 years ago. But tatemai for me is a real skill. And I think it seems to me to be a skill that both of you have kind of quite naturally had anyway, but also that you... When I used to work a lot with Japanese businessmen, I would always ask them, describe tatemai to me. And that was, and everybody would give me a slightly different answer. But what I loved was it's meeting the situation in the way you're supposed to. So um, I just wanted to, to, in a way that's appropriate or something like that. Does that make sense? Oh, yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah. So that reminded me of that as well. And of course, code switching is a real thing that, you know, people have to do to to get by as well. So I'm not trying to pull that down. I'm just kind of bringing it back to our context, which is that we're all permanent residents or, or citizens of Japan, <laughs> which is a very unique position to be in as well. Right. Just yeah. so, um, so interesting. So I'd like to move into kind of our kind of closing closing out and bring us up to date and hear about the Legacy Foundation and about your work in your city and being a politician. So um, please go ahead and tell us how you're changing the game these days. Okay, well, let me just explain a little bit about, I mean, the Legacy Foundation, I think if anyone who either attended our events or seen us online, you know, it's about creating a legacy. You know, people will, people have been coming to Japan, people say people of color, been coming to Japan for years uh, and what they develop, we stand on top of, right? We benefit from their journey and their struggles and challenges. I've known that, you know, I started Black Professionals Tokyo here and, you know, people who've been here at the time, they've been in Japan for 30, 40 years. You know, they had had their own groups before us that I didn't even know of. And, you know, they were building bridges and that type of thing. So we knew that we wanted to sort of formalize it to create a, 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 a foundation that will live on beyond us, that will continue to not only bring people to Japan, but also help them thrive in Japan, help them engage Japan, also help Japan benefit in the process. Yeah. So, you know, events and that type of thing. So, you know, those of us who, who founded it, when we got together, that was the purpose, create a community. Because I think, in, especially in the, in, in the Black community, I say the idea of community, which in, like in Africa, the idea of community raises you. Like we're talking about stories and experiences, right? Making a person who they are, that's your community, whether it's the globe or whatnot. But community really plays a, a real important uh, part in your growth and development and support and mental well-being and all that kind of stuff. So that's what we do. And so um, how it relates to the city, one of the things that in whatever time I'm interviewed for in the city for something, I always mention this, is that the future is going to present challenges that we don't know. Of. We don't know what they're going to be. But I think that people can be prepared for these things. They can be prepared for the unknown. And so we're proposing a program where we help children right learn about you know proposed projects or solutions or inventions to solve what they think the young people think the future challenges will be not just global warming but whatever alien invasion i'm joking about that but you know what i mean it's future problems so they can learn about how to be creative they can learn that they can create their future they can be entrepreneurs or they can be leaders in their society not just you know, someone who works in an office and, and, and they still work in an office is fine but you know there's more there's more potential there and so we're working with the city. The city has now agreed to work with us uh, to uh, do a program of, in, of 
of mentoring these children. Yeah. It's a contest. <laughs> Sorry. They yeah. will then, um, we'll, we'll have our sponsors and affiliated companies judge them, reward them, and then hopefully invite them to be in. These are elementary school children, the interns yeah. to work in companies, to work on their little project. And I think that will help with diversity. You know, these Japanese children whose parents want them to be ready for the future, they want them to be successful, are going to find their keys to success through these diverse foreign organizations. Brown that, folks. These brown people <laughs> just want the best for them. So um, for me, it's about building that bridge because at the end of the day, the, you know, the Japanese future is going to be improved through the collaboration of people who are not typical Japanese. And I think that's the that's the beauty of Legacy Foundation. Um, I have to give shout out to the founders or our board of, of, of amazing individuals of Legacy Foundation Japan. I say I'm the, I'm the one Jamaican on the board <laughs> and everybody else is African-American. But we want to start this project called Legacy Lead, which has is the name might change a little bit. It's leadership, entrepreneurship, authenticity and diversity. And we want to spearhead this lead project to cities and towns where Japanese children will see that being authentically yourself and bringing that in your space will create an environment where companies benefit, right? I, I used to be an executive recruiter. I know one of the hardest problems that international companies have is that their Japanese staff won't give ideas. They'll implement, but they won't bring themselves into the office because, you know, they don't want too much clash. It's better to have a calm environment. But when you're interacting with different people, you need different viewpoints, different ideas to be brought to the table. And I think Legacy Foundation Japan, with our members coming in um, six months, one year to people who've been here for 30 years, can go into these environments and like, hey, we want to partner with you. We want to help move Japan along further, take our experience, take what we have and use it, learn. And then we want to bring on our sponsors so these companies can go into to schools. Because, you know, the, the funny thing is, if you don't see it, you don't believe it can happen for you. Mm-hmm. And we want to take that. And it's, it's not that much. You know, one of our first sponsor, I really have to give a shout out to AIG Japan. Within a year of founding Legacy Foundation Japan, they gave us money and like, hey, we're going to partner with you, right? Sight on scene. Not, not knowing that we were going to do the good things that we did, but they just like, yeah, we're going to do it. So companies like that, people like the LGBTQIA group within um, AIG invited Legacy Foundation to come and talk to, um, listen to the first openly gay rugby player in the world, right? And his story I mean, if you ever get to listen to his story, ills. You know, their ERG for diversity, equity, and inclusion, the head of all of AIG um, DEI, um, Ronald Reeves, came to Legacy Foundation and talked to us about, you know, how do you get to this point? And one of the, his very most important point was he didn't do it by himself. One of the directors said, oh, you have potential. Come, apply for this position. And then they're like, mm, you need to do this. Okay, you need to talk to this person. And from the start, he's had people who mentored him and stood in the gap. And now he's the head of diversity, equity, and inclusion. We are so important in bringing the next generation into success, wealth, health, 
it is important that if each person brings someone along and then somebody else brings that person along, you know, it's like a, it's like a helicopter, right? One person grabs onto the bar and then the other person grabs onto the bar and the helicopter, everybody's rising. Mm-hmm. And I, that's what Legacy Foundation is. Building a legacy where even when we parachute off and move on, to, there's someone else to take the place. There's someone else standing in the gap. There's someone else saying, hey, I might not have been born here, but you've given me so much. I must give back. I just love it. I take the job as be director of programs and then I'm stepping over to strategic partnerships and sponsorship. It is a privilege to be able to do that for others, not because of, you know, oh, Sasha is doing this, but because so many people have done the very same for me, you know, and some people might never end up in the spaces that I've ended up in. So I'm going to drag them into the space. I'm like, you look at look at how awesome you are doing all these things like in legacy foundation we have the only black owned art studio right art animations you know arthel isom he's a member we have the first black owned marketing studio by cairo marsh we have henry and houston are two black people who are on one of the only 10 unicorns japan has company sold for a billion dollars. Two of our members are on that. We have a dancer who's danced for 20, 30 years with Michael Jackson, um, you know, Michael Jackson, large artist. We have the first black stunt guy in Japan, Chuck Johnson Legacy Foundation. We have Ashley Dash, who's an HR professional, and she talks about dealing with work hurt. I mean, I could like, I'm just excited by the people and, and, and what they do. And it, it's, it's exciting to be like, I'm, I, whoa. Okay. I do not know. And the beast of, uh, our, our backbone, Ayana Coleman, you've met Ayana. You, Ayana is, Ayana. Ayana is just, she, she makes me, she, fa- she makes me feel stupid in the best kind of ways. <laughs> <laughs> If if you know, like she like, oh, you're wrong, but I'm going to make you right. Let's do this together. And man, um, I'm giving in the foundation, but these people like they teach me. Oh, so much. And I can't wait to see the impact we'll be able to have. I mean, the diversity is real. It's not just, you know, for first people, the first experience of diversity is either gender or race. But if you know, it's not even about that. It's about also uh, generational and all a bunch of other things. So, you know, having a foundation, you're always going to have new people, whether they're younger or older, coming in, providing new perspectives that you may not like. Yeah. But it's about, right? <laughs> if you like it, that's not diversity. That's uh, like- I hit 50 and I was like, where's my automatic senior respect, please? Oh, I'm <laughs> not doing that anymore. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so- Everything's different. And so having a, a foundation where people are coming from all over the world um, their different backgrounds help make us better, you know, facilitators of, of, of you know, Japan and Japan's success and our success as a foundation. Amazing. Yeah. Can you shout out any other names? Do you want to shout oh. out any other names on the it board? Which is like everyone. Every, okay, everyone then. Okay. Yeah, Allison Rogers, she is our director of membership. She's a quintessential Southern queen to make everyone fit in. 
um, Makaziah Kedima, he does translate. I, I, yeah, everybody. Okay, so we have Latanya Whitaker, as you know. I think everyone knows Latanya. Of course. Goes, goes without saying. <laughs> So, and David. Uh, and then there's David Whitaker, of course. Every goes without saying. Everyone knows them in the country. I've drunk wine with their son on my knee. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what he's well when he was little. <laughs> when he was <laughs> when he was little, yeah. he was just so friendly, come and snuggle in and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Jonas. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. everyone knows Jonas. Yeah. And then, you know, like Allison's membership, so Sasha's course programs, I'm finance. Um, we have other founders and and, and and people several who, several different yeah. founders who are involved in various different activities um you know matthew madoka, madoka. uh brandy, brandy uh yeah. who else and then our members those are yeah those are like members yeah. you know, rachel and there's natsumi yes. and there's mac and there's ayana <laughs> obviously and then there's adia who helped us in the finance area and did a whole bunch of others this is way too many. It's, it's, but if you want to know, join the foundation. Sorry, yes. not you. Okay. <laughs> everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We're, 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 You'll we're, meet everybody. Yeah, we're open to everyone. And yes. yeah, it's, it's really funny because if if you know, if you're a person in Tokyo and you know a brown person, it's probably Latanya and David because of Soul Food House. So many people, you know, and it's reasons like that, you know, like they're doing their awesome thing in another space. Someone else is doing an awesome thing in Oh, let the powers come by. And then, oh, not just come by. Now let's go do good. Magic. That's, that's the part that I think a lot of people miss. Yeah, they get together. They have amazing companies and we, we, we do have that. But then we're doing these awesome things. But now how do we do good? And that's how, that's how you know, Henry told you, like, um, we have Tokyo Black Professionals which has been around before I met Henry. So 14, 13, 14 years when Tokyo black professionals has 1,400 members. And these are members who come in and out of Japan, who've added to the fiber of who Japan is. And then the other thing is that we live out here in Chiba and we're like, our home is welcome to anyone. If you need a space, if you need to come chill, if you need a hug, if you need come, like there's no, there's no, there's no like, like, okay, you have to be this, you have to be this, you have to be this. No, we, we've gotten so much that we want to give back, not because we have to or anything, but it's a part of the human experience. If you only, my personal opinion, if you only live for yourself, you're not living at all. Oh yeah. Wow. If you only live for yourself, you're not living at all. Absolutely love it. So I've got my 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 title for the podcast is going to be the legends of legacy um, because of the legacies you've left behind, but also because of the legacies that other people handed to you that you mentioned on the podcast. And, and I think it's just such a uh, it's been such an incredibly rich conversation. Thank you so much to both of you. Where can we find you? Ooh. <laughs> so for for me, it's um, Yum Cupcakery, which I don't know. I, I don't post that much, but Jamaican in Japan on Instagram or socially seals on Facebook mm -hmm. um, for Henry as his PR person seals improvement services. Yeah. And you can find us on all, all platforms as well as Henry seals on Instagram and Twitter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And his, of course his website um, seals improvement services.com. Perfect. And we can find something about Nagara. Nagarayama city there as well. Yes, please. I mean, um, 
find out about our city. I mean, it, it's it's a fast on the website. I don't think there's anything on the website. We we need it. to put it on. Yeah, yeah I, I'll put it on. But <laughs> fastest growing city in Japan. Wow. The highest birth number of children. Number of children based on the number of children. Based on increasing the fastest increase in children in yeah. in children in Japan. Um, we're the only city that has a dedicated marketing department. Wow. We are like. Yeah. The we, mayor's diversity has really the, benefited Japan. The, His diversity in America and what he's done has benefited Japan. So it's just an example of how, you know, diversity of experience, particularly, can provide benefits to to, to ways you never expected and to areas you, you, you wouldn't think. Diversity of experience. And, of course, the seal's magic as well is happening there as well. <laughs> Sorry, you make um, <laughs> And also, the leg what's the Legacy Foundations? So we'll, we'll link to it in the show notes. Yeah, so yeah. it's legacyfoundationjapan.com, and you can see um, some of the things we do. You can also follow us on Instagram, LegacyFJP, and that's on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. So it's at LegacyFJP. Thank you. Yeah. And my final question, there are many ways to lead a life. What does that mean to you? Well... It's funny you mentioned the mindfulness thing. I think there's many ways to live a life. And I think that living the life means looking at your life, right? Really looking at yourself and trying your best to, to realize that change is inevitable. And I think as we get older and we want more normalcy in our lives, yeah. we make ourselves miserable. Yeah, I am miserable. We want more normalcy. <laughs> I need to come and get a hug at the SEALs household. Yes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> embracing change and finding out how the change can benefit you, which they, it can't acknowledge the change. Even the change of growing old, getting gray hair. I got gray hair, but I think I look good. <laughs> look good. You do look good. Yeah. It's not a way, but I mean, I'm joking there, but um, it, it is, you know, change can be, can be something. I think change, knowing that we're all going to die someday, mm. allows you to say, I'm going to really add value to the people around me. Mm. Now, the change can provide value and you have to really embrace change. And I think your life will be, you know, life can really be lived and enjoyed, not only by you, but by those that you touch. Mm, I don't know. Like, it's just don't live for yourself. If I can say anything to anyone, don't just be about you and your business and your family and your you, 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 you. That's not life. Because you shut yourself out so much beauty because you're so obsessed about you. And the world can make you feel that way sometimes that you yeah. need to focus on yourself. Just you and and my circle and yeah. and my achievement and my next and my my me 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 me. It's not life. It's not life. It, it just it's it just can't be. It can't just be that. That's no. Do do better. Just. One hour, just just do something. Do something for, for someone, else. someone else. Expect nothing in return, but just do it. Teacher than Dave Carnegie too. Yeah, just Hard yeah. Do. When you do it though, it, it it's a game changer. It is yeah. a really game changer. You don't expect the whether you don't respect you don't expect generosity or not generosity, or gratitude. Res when yeah. You, yeah, when you don't expect gratitude, I I remember reading it when I was doing training. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Of course, you want gratitude and recognition. But if you can train yourself to just to, to not want it, really not expect it, not not not, not want, well want it, but not expect it, and just you start because you start finding the things you love to do. That's what happens. Mm -hmm. So there's a there's there's you know there's mm -hmm. the there's the quote people post on Instagram. You know, 
don't do things for yourself. But there's the reality of it. And the thing is that once you stop expecting gratitude, then you start thinking, what do I really want to do? What yes. do I do where I don't need just gratitude? Because. And then you, what do I do just because? Yeah. And then you find that. And then Ooh. all of a sudden it makes sense to you. Yeah. But the other way around, when you're trying to do things for people, like, I'm just going to do things for people and not expect gratitude. But sometimes you're 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 running your your wheels for the wrong reason. Mm-hmm. But then you say, no, I don't want gratitude anymore. I'm done with that. I'm just going to do it. And then you start finding and it's a journey of success and failure. You find you're like, OK, I'm good. Done. And so all of these cliches yeah. have a reality of journey mm-hmm. behind it, as you know, because you listen to all these stories. And you learn those journeys by engaging other people. Think of social media. You can't live your life in it for yourself because you engage other people and you're open to that. You start learning so many things that makes your life richer and greater. More than you can imagine. you ever I, imagine? I, right? I, just, just a simple like. Oh, I'm off as well. <laughs> <laughs> now we've all cried. <laughs> yeah. Just, oh, yeah. If we can leave anything, just, yeah. Just, just do that. Thank you. I'm going to give you gratitude and recognition. This has been really profound and beautiful kind of journey through history, through ancestry, through service, through business. And now I'm just so touched by the stuff that you just said. I'm going to go and buy a guitar (laughs) (laughs) just for me (laughs) and play it really badly just for me. And I hope you can come to my 10 year anniversary party. I will be purchasing a cake from you and I'll be inviting all my legends along. And it's been an absolute treat. I believe there are many ways to lead a life and everybody has stories. And these stories and the sharing of them are in service of everybody else as well. Um, I'm really going to have to have a good digest of this conversation today. I thank you so so much for being here and sharing everything so generously it's been a journey thank you so much thank you, thank you for pleasure. giving us your time and have a fantastic day and thank enjoy you. the beach for me <laughs> i might have to go down there to process some of this with nature <laughs> well wow what an episode and what an incredible amount of insight i took away from the episode These game-changing people have so much generosity and love in their hearts. It's incredible. From the beginning, when they both honored their two people who they chose as their game-changers, Henry in Cliff and Sasha in her mother, Helena. It was just so beautiful to hear them talking so deeply and with such heart about those people who really changed their lives and showed them how to change the game in their communities. And when Henry was talking about Cliff, it really put me in mind of the episode with Marcellus Neely and Lisa Lowitz, who both talked about guides who showed up in their lives and how important those people were in shaping their futures and changing their game. And it's important for us to recognize that as well, where we are guides and where we can contribute to other people and create opportunities that benefit all. And when Sasha's talking about you know, baking cakes and the, how you become part of people's lives and part of the fabric of people's celebrations. It's just amazing. It reminds me of Gretchen, my partner in the grief circle that I run and how her husband is just part of the fabric of the community celebrating death and life and marriage and all these things that, that people who take these pivotal roles in community do. 
and the Legacy Foundation is an absolutely terrific place. Um, you know, cooperatively and through the strength of their membership, they are shaping and creating opportunities that benefit all over there. It's just fantastic. So go and check that out, Legacy Foundation Japan, and see the wonderful things that they are doing. And Henry, in his decision to become a naturalized Japanese citizen so that he could have influence on his community here in a way that he couldn't if he wasn't actually involved in the grassroots level in this pioneering position he has taken in his uh, place in Chiba. You can hear more of the detail about that during the podcast, of course. And it's just just wonderful to hear these guys and the love between them. My biggest takeaway is to, and it's a difficult one actually, is to do things with no hope of a return, with no hope of reward, with no hope of recognition or, um, you know, being recognized for your achievements. That's that's a tricky one for me. I, d- I do love a good thank you, but it just really humbled me to think about that. And it's certainly something I shall be taking away with me. So thank you so much, Henry and Sasha. Just fantastic. Your game changes, your pure love, and you have everything to make our lives, our society and our communities better. 